the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time now for the third and final hour of the Jimmy Sangenberger Show here on News Talk 710 at KNUS. Thanks for being along for the ride today. I hope you've enjoyed the fun conversations, the satirical discussion with good old Santa Claus and the elves. The conversation with Reverend Jimmy Bratcher, the electric rev and rabbi Jonathan Houseman. This hour, we've got open lines for this segment. If you want to call in, 303-696-1971 is our telephone number to do that. You can text into the show. Merry Christmas, Jimmy. It's cold here in Nebraska. Yeah, it's cold here in Colorado, too. Uh, Merry Christmas, Jimmy, and a blessed new year to you also. Be well and travel safely. Thank you very much. I appreciate always the well wishes, Christmas greetings, and more. Thank you so much. What a blessing and a great fortune it is to be here on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show every Saturday morning from 6 to 9, News Talk 710 KNUS. Very excited for next Saturday's radio show, by the way. We will check in with my good friend Jeff Crump for a special Music with Crump edition of the program, where, or at least segment of the program, where we will in the first hour go over some of the musicians who we lost this year. And Jeff was in the music business for decades. He was Barry Fay's right-hand man in, back in the... Uh, 70s and 80s for a decade. He was tour manager of Aerosmith for five years, run DMC, public enemy. He helped run Red Rocks and other venues. I mean, the list goes on. He's worked with, you name them, from the 70s through the 2000s, he worked with them, Allman Brothers, very closely. So he knows the people, knew the people, rather, that we will talk about who passed on from this planet in the year 2022 from the music business. That will be great. And then from 7 o'clock until 9 o'clock, live here in studio, Biff Gore, the pastor at Highline Community Church. He got very far in season six of The Voice. And every year, going back years, we have had Biff Gore here in studio for a jam session, for talking about religion and politics and you name it. We talk about it and we'll take calls. Of course, our phone number, 303-696-1971 in text, and we will jam out some tunes. I'll have my harps with me. He'll have his guitar. He'll have his incredible voice. And we'll have a great time doing some live music from 7 to 9 and conversation right here only on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. But the night before as well, speaking of music, do not miss it. The Jimmy Jr. Blues Band returns. We will be performing at Dakota Tavern in Parker. 
from 7.30 to 11.30 on Friday night, December 30th. Expecting a good crowd. Would love you to come on out. It is in Parker at is a Pine Club Road, I think it is, off of uh, uh, Parker Road in Parker, Dakota Tavern, Jimmy Jr. Blues Band performing at 7.30. In the band, yours truly, my stage name, Jimmy Jr. We'll also have John Oliver returning on the guitar. His powerhouse guitar playing is awesome. Excited to have him back. Mike Rossi on the drums, Ken Cornell on the bass, and some special guests including Terry Schmidt on the keys all throughout the show, Peter Fisher, who is well-known among many in the music biz in Denver, got a tremendous voice. He does a solo act, and we're excited to have him sit in with us for a set. My sister Katie Johnson will sit in for a set as well and sing with the band I'll be playing harmonica, as I said, and singing some tunes, too. Yes, I do a little bit of those ditties on the vocals. We got a lot coming up. It's going to be absolutely phenomenal. If you go to Facebook.com slash Jimmy Junior Music, or you go to JimmyJuniorMusic.com, you can get all the details for the upcoming gig. Join us for the penultimate party of the year on Friday, December 30th. 2022 we will kick things into higher gear in the new year with gigs and so forth for the band but this is the party to come to and to come on out late into the night we want to keep that crowd there until we are done so i hope you will tune in saturday morning six to nine for the jimmy sangenberger show and also please 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 go ahead and join us on Friday, 7.30, Dakota Tavern in Parker. Of course, our telephone number, 303-696-1971, if you want to join in to the festivities in this segment. Bottom of the hour, we will be joined by Rashini Rajkumar, one of my favorite guests, good friend of the program. We will talk about 2022 in retrospective, uh, a retrospective on 2022, and the different winners When it comes to PR this year, here's a question. Is Elon Musk a winner or a loser PR-wise? Did he do himself favors by buying Twitter and also playing the game, if you will, of saying in April, oh, I'm buying Twitter, I'm going to put in my offer, and then going and getting a, a rebuke from Twitter And then when he turns around and he says, well, actually, I'm not so sure I want to do it, then Twitter's like, well, dude, you kind of need to fulfill this now. It's it's too late. Goes to court. They settle. Ultimately, he says, okay, I'll go through with the purchase. And now, well, the rest is history, and he has been dramatically shaking things up. So from a public relations standpoint, how's he looking? We'll check in with Rashini Rajkumar, who is an absolute pro when it comes to communication and crisis coaching. 
in the next segment just a little bit on the Jimmy Sangenberger show. Looking forward to that. Uh, here's a fun little one. So we heard the mention before when Tom Foolery in our segment with Santa Claus in the last hour, which, by the way, check out the podcast if you missed it. A lot of fun. Uh, he complained a little bit about the Polar Express because Tom Foolery is the conductor of the Polar Express. Uh, being the Bipolar Express, well, there was a there was a, a movie I think that was coming out about the the, the Bipolar Express. Tom Hanks stars in the Bipolar Express. All aboard! <laughs> Everybody on board! The, the happiest train in town! Oh God! You laugh, you'll cry, and probably at the same time, the Bipolar Express. Next stop. The North Pole and straight on to Christmas. Isn't that great? <laughs> it's the feel good, feel bad film of the season, The Bipolar Express. Wilson, I'm so sorry. Wilson! It sounds like an epic movie. I'm definitely down to go see that one in theaters this holiday season. So, yesterday came out my weekly column in the Denver Gazette. And this one I want to talk about briefly because we are in the midst of the compassionate season, right? The message of Jesus is one of hope. It is one of compassion. It is one of faith. It is one of love. But is that a substitute? Is compassion a substitute for wise policy? In my column yesterday, particularly based on the immigration border crisis that we are facing right now, I address that very question. Right now, we're seeing mass protests and migrations that are growing. And America's collective heart, let's be real, we have broken hearts for our fellow human beings who are suffering. And of course, this weekend, when Christmas and Hanukkah are crossing paths, we're reminded of the importance of love, kindness, and helping others. The word compassion comes to mind. In a word, the holidays call us to show compassion for the unfortunate. Jesus, of course, is the man, the son of God, whose birth Christians celebrate. And he said, for, when, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. So Americans, especially in our more individualistic sort of society, are likewise called to take moral agency to advance the common good. What does that mean, moral agency? To make moral choices based on what we know is right and to take personal responsibility as individuals in our own lives, families, and communities. Now, unfortunately, what we do see now in our society is increasingly an effort to replace that moral agency with what you could call political agency. Now, that idea shifts the burden of the gov to the government to be the one to solve problems. Of course, that's the left wing idea. Government has the resources and the means, so it should solve problems. So at this point in time, when we see all the suffering 
around the globe and here at home are yearning to show compassion, sort of intensifies. And we're especially seeing this because of the influx of hundreds of desperate migrants to Colorado who are among the countless thousands undergoing a perilous journey to illegally cross the U.S. southern border. But at this time, we have to ask how far our compassion can realistically go. As I write in yesterday's column, it's not easy, but we must acknowledge this truth. There are real world limits to the compassion we can exhibit through public policy and social organizations. And right now in Denver, what are we seeing? We are seeing the city of Denver put up these hundreds of illegal immigrants in rec centers and other facilities. And he's warned that the resources of Denver are reaching a breaking point. We're talking city resources as well as those of nonprofit food banks and shelters that are being stretched thin. And right now in our own communities, we already have homelessness, drug addiction, uh, mental health, crime, uh, the economic strife that we've got right now. And I'm, I was reminded and thinking about this of the 19th century philosopher economist Frederick Bastiat. He's French, was from the 1900 or 19th century, 1850 or so. His books, The Law, essay on uh, that which is seen and that which is not seen, required reading for anybody who's an advocate for limited government. Brilliant guy. And he warned that the bad economist, quote, takes account of the visible effect. But the good economist, quote, takes account both of the effects which are seen and also those which it is necessary to foresee. In other words, we cannot think simply about the positive effects that we might expect from government or social action, like allowing these illegal immigrants to remain undeterred, and providing ongoing food and shelter. We must also consider the unseen negative consequences once a series of events unfolds. And in my piece yesterday, I was really trying to speak to the middle of the road people who want to help these immigrants who feel like there's something, but, but is that enough? Is that right? What happens when you, how far can you take that? You obviously don't want them to suffer. Think of the bitter cold we've had outside, but what do you do? I mean, but here's the unseen. What message does this implicit amnesty send to families in Venezuela, Honduras, uh, other Latin American countries who may want to make that hazardous trek to the United States? They think they'll be welcomed, they'll get food, they'll get shelter, all those things. And the more this misleading word spreads, the worse this crisis is going to become. Worse and worse. And then when it comes to other priorities, how are the costs going to impact it? How can our governments and our nonprofits just keep providing for eventually thousands of new impoverished people? Not to mention our own homeless here at Denver. The Denver metro area, there are going to be more costs to education, the impact on the housing sector, it goes on and on. Now, we see those migrants now, 
But what are those Americans in need who are presently unseen going to what Bastiat said? Not to mention the unseen economic impacts. I mean, here's the thing. Who among us wants to turn away migrants so that, intentionally so that, they are condemned to the depredations of their home countries? I don't know anybody. No one. But that sort of a question isn't the fair question. For now, of course, we're going to do what we can for them. They're not going back right away. But the real question, as I write yesterday, is how our governments and nonprofits can most effectively address the immediate needs of communities. First, Americans, but also those who've escaped genuine suffering. Folks, we need to resist the temptation to mistake pure compassion for good policy. Another great line from the late economist Milton Friedman. He said, the tendency that we often have is to take the will for the deed. The problem isn't the objective of a government action. The point is to go out and see what actually happened with them. And here's the thing, and this is something the left doesn't particularly understand, but it's an important message we need to get out to people who don't identify as conservative. It is not heartless to recognize the limits of empathy as policy. Rather, to ignore those limits, to refuse to balance the altruistic goals with what's truly practical, will ultimately inflict the greater harm. Uh, folks, there, there is a point at which compassion denies reality. While we reflect on and personally live out the charitable meaning of Christmas this weekend and this Christmas season, let's seek balance between essential compassion and real-world conditions. You can read more about my thoughts on this question in my column yesterday in the Denver Gazette. Compassion is no substitute for wise policy. We're going to take a break on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. When we come back, Rashini Rajkumar, communication and crisis coach, will join us to break down some of the big PR wins of the year. She's one of my favorite guests. Keep it right here. We've got that coming up here on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. News Talk 710-KNUS. Rocking and rolling back, little Joe Bonamassa. Doing, I think, uh, originally a Big Joe Turner tune called Christmas Date Blues as we continue and now welcome to the show. I'll give the full introduction in a moment of Rashini Rajkumar, but Rashini, you had the opportunity, was it earlier this year, was it last year, to meet Joe Bonamassa at a fundraiser event in Minnesota. Tell me about that. It was actually in L.A., LA so it for- was October. October 2021, and it was the inaugural jam event for an organization called Columbus Children's Foundation, CCF, Mm. and they're based in both North Carolina and Spain. Okay. And yeah, their their leader is a dear friend of mine, Laura Broad, and she um, put on this inaugural event, bringing together some amazing 
jazz and rock musicians. John Oates was there, but it was he his Joe Bonamassa was the namesake and for Mo. the inaugural jam. Mm-hmm. Keb Mo was there. Too. I'm so jealous of Keb you. Keb Mo, yep. You got yep. to meet it two, was of, the, in two LA, of my favorites. In, yeah, it was it was this intimate concert for about 125 people. And, um, and you'd yeah. never heard of either of them before that. You know, sadly, I hadn't. I, I feel, you know, I have good eclectic musical taste, but I definitely got uh, some wonderful schooling that night. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, I'm jealous, especially since you weren't familiar with them and you got to have that opportunity. But good for you in supporting a good cause. So Rashini Rajkumar is our guest for the rest of the show. She is the host of the Crisis Files podcast, which we'll actually tee up and get a little understanding of in a moment, because I think that can help us to understand the topic of the rest of this 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 time on the show, and that is the PR winners of 2022. Rashini is someone who's called upon to help deal with crisis management issues for clients and on her radio show that she used to host in WCCO in Minnesota. She would discuss the heated current events topics as well as those crisis management issues. Rashini is called upon by media across the U.S. for commentary about crisis management and political strategy. She hosted Real Talk with Rashini on WCCO Radio, as mentioned before, from 2012 to 2021. And her book, Communicate That, is in its third edition. The communication executive coach and media consultant joins me now. Uh, Rashini, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas, Jimmy. It's great to wind down the year and especially be with you on this lovely holiday weekend. Yeah, I mean, it is a blast to have a Christmas Eve spectacular show. It's just such great. I mean, do you realize that you are following Santa Claus? Santa is a hard act to follow, but I'm going to try to stay off the naughty list. (laughs) You know what? With your PR savvy, I think you'll probably be just fine. Uh, (laughs) Rashini, before we get into uh, some of the PR lists and so forth, just briefly, we talked about this before with you on the show, but tell us about the crisis files, what that's about and how things are going so far. Right. And thank you so much for being one of the first uh, media hosts to bring me on when we launched the podcast in August, and I know you had me on, I think it was Labor Day weekend, but The Crisis Files is currently a podcast uh, episode or case file, as I like to call them. Number 23 drops on Monday. It's a special message episode from me and my four-person crisis squad. But what the show does is really dive into various crises in people's business worlds, personal worlds, a lot of ripped from the headlines inspiration we will take some of those headlines and dive into how could they have done this differently or better, or how do you prevent something like this from happening in your life? And the crisis files originally, as I was winding down my Sunday radio show in Minneapolis, I was starting in 2021 to concept it and really concepted it as a TV show. We shot the pilot this April. There is a television pilot that I'm in the early stages of pitching to streaming and TV executives. So I hope to bring that to a screen near you one day. But there was kind of a clamoring for this sort of content. So when it was being edited, the pilot, I thought, I got to get this out there sooner. I want to talk about the crisis files and our subject matter. And that's what birthed bringing it out in its first iteration as a podcast. So since August, we've been a podcast about crisis files. 
Sometimes you'll hear from members of my crisis squad with me. Sometimes you'll hear from other guests. And Jimmy, I'd love to have you on in the future. There are so many crises out there that we really want to give whole holistic as well as organic advice from different lenses, the crisis lens, the legal lens, the PR lens, the mental health lens. In fact, Dr. Cheryl Ziegler is part of my crisis squad, and she's based right there in Denver. Very cool. Well, best of luck in pitching the TV pilot. I hope to be able to watch it on television before we know it. So let's talk a little bit about PR winners. Look, there's so much negativity right now that's going on. How about we look at those who actually have maybe improved their stature, who've had pretty good years? And I think you can't really get too far in that regard without talking about Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, who just so happened this past week, to speak in person to the United States Congress and also to talk with the President of the United States at the White House. And this is as his country is under siege by Russia. You know, it is really hard to ignore him this year. And, you know, time named him Man of the Year. I mean, here's the deal. It, it, obviously, things are so sad and scary and uh, just up in many directions in his country. But on many levels, he's also a winner. He's a winner when it comes to just sheer grit and intention. And you know how I love intentionality. And he had this vision of what to do for his country, with his country people, against Russia and against really Putin. Because I think there are a lot of people in Russia who actually would be very much in support of the Ukraine, but they've got Putin going for them over on the Russian side. So when when you talk about just his own intention for his country, I don't think he's set out trying to galvanize the world or trying to get you know some invitation to this country, the U.S., other places. You know, he really had an intention. He lived it out. That intention motivated the rest of us. We saw, you know, I think the United States even needed a vision on how to remember what freedom is all about, what people in the past have fought and died for for our country. And here, right now in modern times, the Ukrainian people are doing that, led by their very, very intentional president. So, you know, from PR, from actually uh, a nationalistic as well as just a freedom fighter, all of those layers are big wins for the president of Ukraine and for his people, for sure. And I think he helped to wake up the rest of the world in coming behind him, his people, and really remembering what it means to have freedom and to have liberty. And for that, he's really right up there on my list this year. So I'm not much of a, and I think that's well said, by the way, and I couldn't agree more. I've been inspired by Zelensky and his leadership that he has shown on the world stage. In fact, without that uh, passion, that fiery spirit, uh, without the approach that he has taken the, to, to showing leadership and to galvanizing the world, Ukraine might be under under submission of the Russian government at, by this point, but that hasn't been the case, and that's a testament to Ukrainian President Zelensky. Now, I'm not much of a soccer fan, 
uh, I guess they call it football on the world stage. Uh, but mm-hmm. there was uh, the victory of Argentina for the World Cup in Qatar. And in particular, there's the soccer player Lionel Messi, who's noted for the team. Uh, talk to us about that one, especially given the, the global significance here. We're talking about two global phenomena, if you will, right now. Right. Well, this is a bundle for me. So on my 2022 winners list when it comes to PR and optics, I would bundle Messi, Argentina, and actually the nation of Qatar together. But let's start with Messi and Argentina. Okay. So Messi is definitely one of these, the top ranked players, but he was just so long has gone without a World Cup win. And whereas some of his peers have had those wins, And it really is the crown jewel, right, in the game of football, as we call it in the world, but soccer to us Americans. And um, the very fact that his nation was behind him, soccer fans were behind him, and he was being watched and his team on such a global stage uh, was just, I mean, you couldn't have scripted a better ending. I mean, that match with France and France, France also being, uh, having a star player that everyone was rooting for. So you just couldn't have scripted a better final on that. As sad as I was, the U.S. wasn't in it. The U.S. men's team isn't quite at the caliber of Argentina <laughs> and France yet. Hopefully one day. So yeah. you've got to give Messi a win. you got to give Argentina the country. I mean, I don't know if you saw the pictures and pretty much all the papers of people streaming out into the streets and celebrating and crying and laughing and hugging. I mean, they came together as a nation. It was like they just needed that on so many levels. So that was wonderful. And then the country, the nation of Qatar, which hasn't always gotten much attention, people still wonder how to pronounce it. And it just over, it found out, I believe it was back in 09, that it was getting the 2022 World Cup. Well, it whipped into motion and built a bunch of stadiums mm. and all eyes from the world were on Qatar. And now everyone will know where it is, just, you know, the significance Mm. of what it brought to this sport. So that's kind of why I bundle those together, but each definitely have some distinct separate winnability moments as well as as a group. So congratulations on that to to those three parts of my list. I've got one one minute left in this segment before we got to run to a break for one more person. Uh, This movie star was besieged for a very long time because of his ex who went after him big time and maligned him and was we learned a lot more about Johnny Depp. You have him on your twenty twenty two PR winners list. Talk to me for a yeah, briefly about this, that. Yeah, this one might be unusual for a lot of people because we we learned a lot of really ridiculous things. And actually uh I was on Court T V, I was on some different outlets talking about this trial. I mean it is crazy the ugly things we learned about um, Johnny Depp and Amber. I mean, it, it was just just ugly. I mean, I, I don't want to learn those things about Johnny Depp. But he had a good legal team. He had the fans on his side. Not that you need fans. Not that the fans are deciding. The jury's making decisions. But that all makes him a winner on this list because he overcame some really ugly narratives to really come out um, prevailing and, and didn't have a huge loss 
in mm. the defamation trial against him. Well, and now the one who's facing consequences is Amber Heard. Rashini Rajkumar is our guest, communications and crisis coach. She's host of the Crisis Files podcast and her website, ownyourwow.com. we got to take a break. On the other side, let's pick up this question. Is Elon Musk a PR winner of 2022? That and more coming up in the final segment of this Christmas Eve edition of the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. We'll go to break as we continue on News Talk 710 KNUS. One of my absolute favorite Christmas tunes. This is the final bumper of the Christmas season. Jingle Bell Rock. Good to be with you. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah as well. Thanks again to Rabbi Jonathan Hausman, the Electric Rev, Reverend Jimmy Bratcher, Santa Claus, and our final guest of the show, Rashini Rajkumar, for joining us next weekend, Saturday, 6 to 9. My good friend Jeff Crump will check in with us. And then Biff Gore, incredible voice. He's going to be bringing his guitar. We'll jam. We'll do our annual jam session for the new year and... We will talk religion. He's a pastor. We'll talk politics. Who knows what will come up? Plus, the Jimmy Jr. Blues Band playing at Dakota Tavern next Friday night, 7.30 p.m. in Parker. Join us then. Rashini Rajkumar is our guest, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, host of The Crisis Files. Uh, Rashini, here's one for you as we talk about PR winners of 2022. Well, here's a question. Elon Musk. Is he a PR winner? I mean, beginning of the year, earlier in the year, April, he announces he wants to buy Twitter. Then there's big pushback from Twitter. Then he decides, ah, not so sure. Then Twitter's like, we're taking you to court. This thing's going to happen. Ultimately, out of court, he agrees to fulfill the purchase. He did so. And now it's really interesting what's happening in the Twitterverse at this point under Elon Musk. So Elon, winner, loser. Well, and it, that answer depends on what time of year you would have asked me. So we did, I believe it was case file number five on the whole Twitterverse and Elon Musk versus Twitter and the question of who's David, who's Goliath in that situation. And then eventually that sale did go through. Had you asked me that question in October, November, I would have said Elon Musk, definitely a winner of 2022. But here we are on Christmas Eve 2022, and we have seen the last four to six weeks of just chaos on Twitter he owns the platform. He's tweeting. He's being reckless. So he is not on my winner's list. He became very naughty at the end of the year, Jimmy. So naughty in what way exactly? Because, look, we got folks in our audience and to some extent me who are kind of liking what he is doing as far as shaking up Twitter. So when you say he's not on the winner list, let's let's unpack that a little bit more. For sure. Okay. So I like the shaking up. I always love disruptors when disruptors have good intention and they're honest and fair. So if you're going to shake it up so that people can have free speech on Twitter and we can eliminate trolls on Twitter, then you're a winner. But he's kind of doing a combo, right? And then making the blue check, you know, $8, you get a blue check. Now the blue check really means nothing. I mean, I just don't know what his vision is anymore. At one point, I could see he had a vision. He wanted to get the trolls, the bot accounts off, you know, the just the junk that really Twitter has become on many levels. He was doing mass layoffs. I don't know if all of those were necessary, but he's also sometimes putting things out there just to kind of needle and needle in ways that I don't know are always very good. So mm. 
I want him, if I were coaching him, and I don't know that he's coachable, if I were coaching him, I would say, what is your platform meaning? What's your vision? What do you stand hmm. for? And let's then tweet and run the platform in that way. So now it looks like possibly he's asking, you know, there's going to be a new CEO. He's asking uh, the Twitterverse, who should be the CEO? Should I step down? So that's an interesting also PR campaign mm. well, that he's started. And that's one I wanted to ask you about. And we've got a little over a minute left for Shini Rajkumar is he's been doing these polls. Um, and in fact, he did a poll saying, should I step down as CEO? It was resoundingly a yes. He's done other polls that have been quite interesting. What do you make of that sort of governing a platform in a business by poll? All right. Well, I don't think that's the way to go. I mean, as someone who understands board governance, but fine. So they said, yes, I'd agree with that. Someone else should be the CEO. Now start the journey to finding that great CEO that's going to get Twitter back to its glory days. We're talking the early years. We're talking, you know, 06 to 2011. That's when I really looked to Twitter. I joined on in 2009. It has really fallen down as a platform. I'd love him to lift it back up. Roshini Rajkumar, always interesting insights. TheCrisisFiles.com is where to go for the Crisis Files podcast. Best of luck getting that picked up for a television show. Merry Christmas, my friend. Very grateful to have you on once again today. Thanks so much, Jimmy. Merry Christmas to you and your listeners. Merry Christmas. Enjoy that 80-degree weather over in California. We're a little jealous. <laughs> Rashidi Rajkumar, everybody. OwnYourWow.com and TheCrisisFiles.com. That is it for me today. We are going to go out to a little bit of the great harmonica player, Charlie Musselwhite, doing a beautiful rendition of Silent Night on the Harmonica. Have a great weekend. Merry Christmas. See you next weekend. May God bless America.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.